What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fourth and Infinity. It is week four, or I should say it was week four in the NFL, the fourth week of the 2023 NFL season. All four of our teams played. We had a couple of them play on primetime. We had a bunch of other big games happening in the league. We had some news. You guys know the drill. We're going to get into all of it, but first I will introduce my co-hosts. First off, Bobby, how you doing over there, bud? Uh, sick, but happy with my football team. So yeah. I'm battling through. I got to talk about this game because uh, it was pretty exciting. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, luckily not too stressful of a game, just kind of dominance the whole time. Yeah, we'll get to that very shortly. I'll finish introducing the rest of the boys first. Uh, Janev, how you doing? Uh, things here are great. Uh, I don't know if y'all know about this guy. Uh, he's a little known recruit out of Stanford. His name's Christian McCaffrey. He's pretty good. Mm. Pretty good at football. I think I've heard the name. We'll, we'll get into him in a little bit as well. Last but not least, Arcadio, how's it hanging over there, bud? So Caleb Williams has mm. said that the teams he would play for if drafted are the 49ers, the Giants, the Vikings. There's one other team, and I also believe he said the Raiders. So just lose, baby. Just lose, baby. Okay. Yeah, we will get into the uh, the state of the Raiders here shortly as well. Uh, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Nick. I am the resident Chiefs fan. I'm the boring one here. Hi, Nick. We'll get into my team in just a little bit. Hi, Dad. Uh, okay, so we will start uh, with our teams, and we had a couple of our teams play in primetime again, as we will this coming week. Starting off with the Thursday night football game, we had Bobby's Lions going into Lambeau for their first match of the season against the Packers. So, Bobby, you want to lead off here? Yeah, so uh, going into this game, I think a lot of people, at least on the Lions side that I heard and even just um, on Twitter and everything, were kind of expecting a pretty close battle because it's a road game for the Lions, it's a, it's a division game, the Packers are had been playing relatively good football. Uh, Jordan Love at least looks, you know, competent. And, um, you know, even if he wasn't completing a high percentage of his passes, he was not really turning the ball over and they were scoring touchdowns. So just came off a big, like, fourth quarter comeback. uh, And the Lions have played well. But everyone was like, oh, it could be the Lions, but it'll be a close game. Uh, It was not that. It looked like early on it could be. Uh, Goff threw a pick on the very first drive on on third down. and gave the Packers a short field and but that dry or that uh defensive stand right after that to get him force him three and three and out just kind of showed what our defense did like the rest of the game especially that first half um Lions went down to score right after that uh with a nice drive and a wide open touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown great double move route a good route by him and a good uh, call by Ben Johnson who was said he called that um like it's been talked about a few times after the game that they had that dialed up going into the game, the second game last year, so the last game of the year, um, to kind of take advantage of the Packers' aggressive uh, defensive backs that would try to jump those those uh, um, stick routes. So they basically just faked the stick route and just burned them on that, um, and that was that was beautiful. You know, that was a big pass play, but really the the story of this game was we were just able to control the clock by running the ball the entire game. Uh, David Montgomery had 32 rushes for 121 yards. Um, we had a, a nice little uh, uh, razzle-dazzle run uh, that I think Raymond picked up and and picked up 40 yards. Uh, Gibbs contributed as well. And um, yeah, 27-3 at half. Lions just completely dominated. They only gave up 20 yards, 15 yards. I think it was like 15 yards total offense for the Packers at halftime. Uh, they just had that field goal off the pick. Uh, and then the second mm-hmm. half, we just kind of, you know, the Packers made a little bit of a comeback. Just, you know, it became a little bit more of a game, but it just seemed more like the lions were letting them take time off the clock until the game was over. Um, it really was never a game at that point. 
Uh, and then even when it looked like it could have, the Lions then took control of the ball and went down in the fourth quarter and took a, a nine-minute drive to score a touchdown and put it away. Uh, Quay Walker yeah. helped us out a little bit. Um, on the field goal attempt, he took more than however many steps or was backed off the line and jumped over the line to get a penalty, which was a very delayed call. But uh, that extended the drive, and then we punched in with Montgomery who for his third touchdown of the game. So he had a big game, uh, fantasy and real football-wise. Just great to see that the defense looks amazing, um, especially compared to the Lions teams that I'm used to watching. But number one rush defense in the league so far. I know it's early, but that's great because last year we just couldn't, you know, like it was the reason we lost to Carolina, who were playing next last year, is they just ran all over us for 200 something yards in like one half. Um, so that change has been amazing. Uh, we lead the league, or at least I think Hutch leads the league in or is tied with a few people, including I think Crosby on the Raiders with uh, 27 um, quarterback hurries to be able to do this on the road is something that the Alliance team has not been able to do in a very long time. And we went into two of the hardest places to play historically in the league um, going to into Arrowhead and into Lambeau and won those games. So definitely happy with that. A few guys are banged up, but then uh, you know, we're getting actually healthier than we were last week, especially with our offensive line. So, I'm just excited. It was a good game. There was one kind of, uh, one play. I'm again, Thursday night game. So it's hard to think of everything, but the one thing that I feel like in previous seasons would have been like, Oh, that's the reason we lost the game or something Mm -hmm. is at the end of the third quarter, it looked like the clock had expired, um, pretty easily, like more than just a beat. And, and even just a beat for the game clock is not usually given. That's usually just on the play clock. It was not, bang Uh, it was not bang, bang. <clears throat> and yeah. it was snapped for the for Green Bay, and they got a real deep pass uh, to uh, Reed, I believe, down the sideline, and that kind of put them in in position to go down and down and score. But um, uh, that again, Lions just put the game away after that. It really didn't matter. We picked off Jordan Love twice. Uh, Dre Jacobs had both of them, which was um, really good to see because he's like known as one of our weaker uh, corners, um, but at the same time, he's still better than a lot of corners on other league and other and other teams. So um, it's nice to have that depth. He's probably going to be pushed out when Mosley is back and he's going to be back this week, but we'll see how much he actually plays. Um, but, you know, it's good to have guys like that back there that can have a big game, even if they're not one of our, you know, studs. So big win for the Lions, not celebrating too much. It's early, but the Lions look very good, very happy about it. Uh, and now we're going into a game against Carolina that, you know, we're favored by nine and a half. We should win this game, that type of thing. I'm never going to say it. we will. It's a, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. But I feel pretty good about it. But I also felt good going into last year, and they beat us. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a re- revenge game in that sense. So uh, hopefully it's a different result. But I'm just – it to me, it, the biggest takeaway is that right now it looks like the Lions are clearly the best team in the NFC North. Um, so unless something changes, whether it's a team coming on strong, like, you know, maybe the Packers do pick it up and Jordan Love looks great or whatever, or the Vikings start winning these close games because um, they've actually played well in offense, just their defense has been terrible and they've turned the ball over at key times. So hopefully this is the sign of what the season is going to be like in the NFC North. I would definitely take it. But yeah, great game. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I was uh, I was the one here that uh, picked the Packers to actually win this one, and very quickly realized that was not going to be the case. Uh, yeah, uh, like you said, it was twenty-seven three at half. Packers just got the one field goal off the very early Goff interception. Otherwise, they couldn't get anything going. 
Uh, you mentioned how great the Lions run defense has been. It does help when the game flow dictates that they only carry the ball 12 times in the entire game, which is what happened with Green Bay here. Uh, only 12 carries for 27 yards. Aaron Jones being back didn't really do anything for him. Uh, props to the Packers for showing some fight when they came back out in the second half. They put a couple good drives together. Obviously, they benefited from um, that no call uh, or not ending the quarter, uh, rather on that big deep pass that they uh, turned into another touchdown. But yeah, I mean, the Packers showed some fight in the second half, but the Lions were clearly in control of this one the entire way through. The Packers defense couldn't do anything to stop Montgomery. When Gibbs was in, he was looking good. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a clearly better looking team here tonight, even though the Packers did show a little something after they got their ass kicked in the first half. But yeah, it feels clear what the, the pecking order in the NFC North is right now, and it is all going in Detroit's favor at the moment. Yeah, and the thing is with the Lions is that they haven't even peaked yet, I don't think. I think they can play like even better than they've been playing. I agree. And they're getting, what, Jamison Williams back this week. They haven't unlocked Jameer Gibbs' potential yet. Like, th this team mm -hmm. is just on the, – the arrow is pointing upwards for sure. Lions good. Uh, Packers offense talent is lackluster. Mm, that's about it. I mean, I, I think it, these are the type of <coughs> games that you want to see a team win uh, when you expect them to win the division. And I think we all have them winning the division. Or um, And so – uh, you know, if you want to win a division, you got to beat the, the vaunted rivals in the division. I've seen too many times that the Niners are, you know, quote unquote, the best team in the NFC West. And they go lose two games to the Seahawks and uh, then they lose the division to the Seahawks on some shenanigans like that. So, you know, when you play teams like Green Bay, you got to win and uh, the rest of the uh, division looks bad. Uh, and so you you got to beat bad teams. And I think Montgomery and Laporta and St. Brown and well, look good. I, I, I think the the big thing for me is just like, can Jared Goff do it for the whole season? And I mean, he has in the past and it, it sometimes can be a little up and down with him, but I think you, you keep winning the games in front of you and uh, they have uh, a lot of winnable games on their schedule. And I think when it all shakes out, they won't have to win many of the, the toughest games uh, and they've already won two of the toughest games. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trending all in the right direction to, to take the division and take the division pretty handedly. Yeah, a uh, good start to the year for the Lions. I think that'll do it for Thursday night. We'll move on to uh, the next of our teams, which, Jana, we're going to flip back to you. Uh, it was the Niners playing the Cardinals this week. What you got for this game? Uh, you know, as I said in the open, uh, I mean, it really was the Christian McCaffrey game. Uh, they, he put up four touchdowns, which is a career best for him. and Could have been five. Uh, uh, easily could have been five. They, they decided... Like it was a pretty explicit decision for them not to go from the one yard line with McCaffrey. They they could have he would have scored. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think what it what this game comes down to is like when Brock Purdy's dialed in, and there's been a lot of chatter about this on in the national media. But when Brock Purdy's dialed in, I think uh, he can execute Shanahan's system to the highest degree. And there's a reason why like the 2016 Atlanta Falcons had an unbeatable offense. And and I know it like flamed out at the end, but uh they still made it to the Super Bowl and I think when we're talking about regular season games uh you can really ride your offense to to win those kind of games and that's what they did here like I wouldn't say that the defense really showed out and like put down a massive stop against the Cardinals and and really through four weeks the defense hasn't been like world beaters but the offense has uh Brock Purdy also went 20 for 21 a lot of catches to Ayuk so like Ayuk had a huge game six for 148 and so I think when the offense is clicking on all cylinders in the regular season, those are games you win. Um, and uh, they needed to make sure they took care of business in this game. They had six drives 
uh, not including end of half and end of, end of uh, game. And they scored five touchdowns and they punted once. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where yeah, I know in the moment, especially I was like pretty frustrated with the defensive play uh, because at times like, you know, the Cardinals were, were making a comeback there and, and the Cardinals have put up a lot of points over the, over the course of the season. Um, but when the Niners offense is clicking, uh, you can just overwhelm the opponent with early scores. And once you're up 21 to 10 at halftime, no matter how it looks like it's going to be hard to come back, even if you get it close. So, um, yeah, excited. Uh, I think it's one of those games where when the season ends, you're like, yeah, that was just a ho-hum game for them, but they really did show like the sort of highest level. I think the offense can, can function at with just like effectively three major skill players. And then, the other guys all chipping in to do the dirty work in terms of blocking and, uh, you know, being decoys and those kind of things between uh, Usechek and Samuel and Kittle and the rest of the receiving core. And so, yeah, it sets up for a very big game on Sunday, and I know we'll talk about it later, but that's that's really everyone, even over the course of the the week leading up to this game, was just like, yeah, they, they got to take care of business, and then they'll go in and, and beat the – and, you know, play the Cowboys, and so that's going to be a big game, so – Felt good about it. Uh, it's a pretty ho-hum game. I think in terms of Shanahan did Shanahan things and Brock pretty executed at a high level and it doesn't get much better than that. And I want to live in a world where I can say my defense isn't world beaters and they're still allowing less than 15 points a game. I want to live in that right? world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate with my defense this year. We'll get to that in, in a minute. But yeah, I mean, we made fun of you on Sunday when you're all doom and gloom about the Niners defense. I'm like, bro, it is the Niners defense. You are spoiled at this point. If, yeah, if this is like a bad defense to you, <laughs> um, just give any shit, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I'm not used to having a great defense on the on the other side of the ball for my team. So I've enjoy seen, it while you can. I'll tell you that. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, yeah, you've given up 7, 23, 12, and 16. That that's pretty good. Yeah, and the twenty three is a bit of a lie too, because that one's really twenty. They can't right. field goal at the end of the Ex- game. Exactly. Memes. I think that like the reason why I say they're not like uh, hitting their full stride is like Nick Bosa hasn't made an impression on a game yet in a way that that like really changes the flow of the game. Like he hasn't gone out there and put up multiple sacks or or a lot of pressure. But I think that the the back end of the defense has been holding up well, and the linebacking core is so good that. We've also been pretty effective at keeping run games down. I mean, there was a they totaled 105 yards in this game, and that was it. Uh, and uh, when you can stop a run game and you have such an effective pass rush, they all they throw is the ball quick, and and when you throw the ball quick, you're inefficient. So I think there is more to it, and we'll see what happens when they play the Cowboys. But I also like if this is like it's the regular season, and if this is how the, the defense wants to operate in the regular season, I'm, I'm not going to be you know that upset if the offense mm-hmm. is clicking. Yeah. Uh, on the other side though, uh, the Cardinals are a uh, scrappy, crappy team. Uh, they're, they're clearly an organization that's tanking, but you know, you don't like the players obviously aren't going out there with that mindset. And this is a terrible roster, but they're going out there and they're making something out of themselves, which I kind of appreciate. Um, all the games that they've had so far this year have felt kind of fun. Joshua Dobbs is, I don't want to say he's a revelation, but he's clearly overachieving compared I'm to what he him. has been his entire career. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm really happy, happy for him. him. Like, He's he's kind of putting on a little bit of a show, like I, obviously for yeah. what they are for their for that team. Like he he like you said, scrappy. That's definitely what he is. But um, mm-hmm. showing that he can do stuff with his legs, uh, making some throws that you wouldn't expect from someone who's never 
been a starter really that like he was forced into action after being on a team for a week or whatever last year. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much what yeah. he did. Um, but yeah, it's been kind of fun to watch. Like clearly the Niners are the better team, but um, mm-hmm. that he didn't completely fold and, you know, throw four picks and, you know, like I, you know, I feel like even guys like Daniel Jones, who just got paid forty million dollars, would do against the mm-hmm. Niners. Like he played better than he would, in my opinion. Oh yeah, significantly so. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of specific reminders of the two thousand eight Kansas City Chiefs, Herm Edwards last season. Like when I when I look at this team, this abysmal roster, they're clearly going to be terrible at the end of the season. But like every game they have is kind of like kind at least kind of competitive and it's fun. And you know the team is hopeless, but you're at least having fun along the way. And that feels like that's what this team is. So I guess shout out Arizona for making this horrible season fun while they can. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't really have anything else to say. Christian McCaffrey's very good. You know, wish I had him on my fantasy team, of course, but. Janev has him, as we'll talk about in a little bit. So, yeah, that's what I got for uh, Niners and Cardinals. We can move on now. Uh, Arcadio, it's your turn, bud. Yeah. Um, so, you know, another week, same, same old stuff with the Raiders, you know. Uh, Chargers came out to a hot start, got a touchdown on their first drive, uh, a Justin Herbert rushing touchdown, I think. But I believe the Raiders' second drive of the game um, – Aiden O'Connell, who was actually the starter this time with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo missing with a concussion, which if you listen to the podcast last week, that's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, he showed exactly what I was hoping to see um, on that first drive. He got the ball out quickly, very decisive, um, led the Raiders down the field, got his first touchdown in the NFL on a, on a sneak, and uh, it looked okay. And then the Chargers started to do their Charger things. You know, uh, the Raiders couldn't really stop anybody i think towards the end of the first half justin herbert went down he kind of you could see they were examining his finger and it turns out he he broke a finger on his non-throwing hand so they the chargers after that were like their offense was a little bit muted and it's it's a reason why the raiders made the game as competitive as it was towards the end but for the most part the raiders offense just really couldn't get anything going um Khalil Mack was just a one-man wrecking crew like I'd seen him do in silver and black many times. Um, By the end of the game, he had six sacks. He had uh, (laughs) one or two passes to bat it down. It it was just a nightmare. Um, uh, Aiden O'Connell, he he took a lot of sacks in this game, and that's kind of what I was criticizing Jimmy Garoppolo for when he was playing, but the difference was that Jimmy was just holding on to the ball too long, whereas Aiden O'Connell, he just literally didn't have – any time to do anything like it, he, he, he would step back and the Khalil Mack would just be in his face. It, it was just mm-hmm. at some point you kind of, I kind of wish that, you know, McDaniels would give him, give him a little leg up a little bit, maybe start taking plays out of the shotgun. Cause I believe the majority of the game they were running from under center. And that was a big reason why O'Connell just couldn't drop back. Like it, it's, they just couldn't get anything going. And um, I believe in those six sacks, Mac forced two fumbles that went the Chargers way. So it it was just very tough from the get-go. And the yeah, the Raiders kind of made a game out of it towards the end. Um, they, they remembered that Devontae Adams is unguardable. So uh, <laughs> they were going to him for several of those drives. Um, had a chance to tie the game up at the very end. But... Um, I was yelling about this at the time when I was watching the game with my family, but they went to a play. 
the exact same play that they ran the previous drive at the goal line. It was like a sprint option to the right. And it didn't work on that drive. And so I was baffled why Josh McDaniels decided to run it again on this drive. And sure enough, the Chargers were 100% ready for it, picked the ball off, and ended the game right then and there. So Mm -hmm. uh, very frustrating. Uh, Raiders still have not broken 20 points in a single game this season. And uh, yeah, I'm like I alluded to earlier in the pod during the intro, I am fully on team just lose baby right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think with with o- with O'Connell in there, they showed more signs of life. If for no other reason than Josh Jacobs actually looked like Josh Jacobs again in this game for the first time this year, yeah. they actually got him involved in the passing game, which helps. And I'm not saying that just as a Josh Jacobs fantasy owner, like he got in the end zone for the first time this year and everything like that, but he actually looked like a key part of the offense, like he was last year, and, and like he always kind of has been. Yeah, I caught eight, eight for eighty-one, yeah. so a good line yeah. for him. I mean, that's all, that also like a good you. good outlet for O'Connell. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. You know, rookie quarterbacks kind of take, especially when you have that much pressure, you pretty much have to dump it off mm-hmm. to the to the outlet. And Jacobs was that, and he was reliable. And they could probably use him more actually as a, yeah. as a design instead of just the outlet. You know, where you know O'Connell basically had to do it, but I feel like you could design a few more things for him in that way. Yeah, I feel like if you're a first-year quarterback, your best friends are always that tight end or you're running back for your checkdowns. And this game, he had uh, Jacobs as his buddy, and it was it was good for them. But yeah, like you said, they couldn't get much going with Khalil Mack in, in his face the entire game. And the couple turnovers that were forced, that interception at the end really, really, really sucked. Like, it was painful. I was watching the end of that game, really excited. Kevin Harlan, the, the GOAT, was excited along with me, and uh, his call for the interception was something else. I know it hurt Arcadio, but what a call he gave there. Um but yeah, I, I, I did want to bring this up. Arcady, I assume you saw it. We might have shared it in the group chat. Uh, Josh kind of threw Aiden O'Connell under the bus after the game. Uh, did you see what he said? I didn't see what he said. I think like I think he was like, oh, you just you can't go out there. You can't be going out there throwing interceptions expecting to win football games. I'm like, dude, dude well, what yeah, the fuck? I mean, like... He threw one. <laughs> yeah, he threw one at the very end of the game on a shitty play that you I, probably shouldn't have run again. Knowing, knowing the kind of person that Josh Jacobs is, I don't think he meant like to say like, oh, it was the quarterback's fault. It's just like it was kind of more matter of fact because that's that's just the type of person that josh jacobs is it's like yeah well i mean we threw an interception at the end and we lost the game so wait did i said jacobs i meant mcdaniels oh mcdaniels said i that. think you i think you yeah. said josh and you just assumed yeah oh, okay. I assumed yeah mcdaniels jacobs. threw him under the bus yeah well you know mcdaniels sucks <laughs> mcdaniels is a dick yeah i i 100 <laughs> yeah, dick i 100 would not be surprised if he said that because he wanted to justify putting jimmy garoppolo back under center next week so yeah yeah that, yeah that was some bullshit i got a little mad when i read that maybe uh maybe don't run the, the exact same play that didn't work on the previous drive at the goal line there josh maybe don't do that maybe don't do that yeah. Spe- speaking yeah. of that though just really quick because you brought up running the same play twice did you see the clip going around of the pittsburgh steelers who have been criticized uh matt canada has been criticized for his offense the entire year um it was like he ran the exact same play on like third and long than he did on fourth and one and it didn't work either time and it was <laughs> like you th- those yeah, routes, it sounds like mechanic right and like those those routes don't work for a fourth and one at all like it was like a you know three receiver set and they sprinted out to the right and all that stuff. like it just like mm-hmm. why would you run why is that the play for those two situations it doesn't make any sense yeah yeah, the Steelers' offense is something else. I don't know if we're going to talk about them elsewhere in this pod at all, but their offense is kind of in shambles right now. And uh, apparently Matt Canada is well aware of this on Twitter, uh, as, as we've been seeing the tweets that he's been liking on his alleged burner account. Uh, that was alleged, a funny story to alleged, see. Allegedly. Alleged. <laughs> alleged. 
Uh, yeah. So that was Raiders Chargers. I, I was bummed because I, I got I got one the, more thing to talk about real quick on Raiders Chargers. Okay. One, uh, run the ball from the three yard line. You have Josh Jacobs, uh, three yards, three downs, one yard at a time, bang it in the end zone. Yeah, they had plenty of time at the in that last drive. I don't know why they weren't running the ball. Yep. Um, no, what I have to talk about is uh, Brandon Staley getting bailed out yet again by his defense. He's horrible. He's so bad. <laughs> uh, we got we to talk about this real quick. So I think last week we talked about the, uh, yeah, running it on fourth and one or whatever. He ran a play, trying to get a first down, didn't get it, gave the Vikings short field, and the defense came up with a pick. This time, fourth and one at, at the uh, Chargers 34. The Raiders are out of timeouts. <laughs> you know, if he, if he gets yeah. the first down, he doesn't even end the game. Like, he just gets the first down. Yeah, uh, you got three and, and a half uh, minutes left. And they take uh, Broken Fingers, Justin Herbert, and they run it up the middle. Yeah, under center. And, and uh, it doesn't work. He doesn't get it. Clearly doesn't get it. Not even like, you know, sometimes like, oh, man, they just got screwed with the terrible spot. No, no, no. He just doesn't get it. And mm-hmm. then uh, and they get it bailed out again. The Raiders bail him out again, you know. Uh, and uh, that man really, like, he has a coaching job because he keeps winning stupid games. But... God, I I don't understand how that man is a head coach in the NFL. Like he's so bad, it's it's atrocious. I don't know what he brings because he has coordinators for uh you know he has coordinators calling plays. Like it's it's bad. Uh, and it's and it's really bad. Um, and uh, you know I I hope that uh, <laughs> frankly I hope that all all the NFC West coaches outside of Big Red get fired. But uh, you know Sean Payton's not going anywhere. And, I don't know what's going on between the Chargers and the Raiders, and it's all bad. Uh, and uh, I'm sad for the ending of this game. Uh, admittedly, I wasn't watching it too closely, but just keeping it up, uh, keeping up with it on Red Zone, and and trying to follow along uh, with the group chat. And uh, what a horrible way to end a game where you could have at least been competitive, been more competitive. And then the comments afterwards, and there's people yelling at the owner at the game and and the owner telling him to smarten up while they're putting Josh Josh McDaniels as the quarterback and Jimmy Garopp or Josh McDaniels as the coach and Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback like you know it it it's sad to see the Raiders be equally as dysfunctional as they have been my entire football watching career when yeah they like they've it's like incredible like the Niners were bad there was a time when the Niners were really bad but that was like like four years and then they found talent in the in the head coach's position and they've turned it around and like the same can be said about the chiefs organization they were like really bad for a while and they found Andy Reid and they they you know they lucked out on Patrick Mahomes and and it worked out for them but like there are ways to turn organizations around and yet these two organizations consistently have been terrible uh yeah all that, and I'll also toss that Jerry Tillery is terrible at football, and I don't understand why he gets why he gets reps at all. Get that man <laughs> off the field. Yeah, really quick before we move off of uh, Staley, I just think he falls into the trap that coach like in he does it the worst. Um, but coaches that follow analytics to the T, um, yeah. like you have to because t- analytics do not take into situations of like who is on the other sideline, like who, like who do they the, who does the other team have on offense game flow. That type of thing. Like mm-hmm. you have a rookie quarterback on the other side. Are you like, do you, you want to give him the long field to try to come down to tie it or whatever? You don't want to give him a short field. Um, You've also yeah. been wrecking him the entire game. Yeah. Like, right. He hasn't had time to do anything. 
So why would you press it at that point? Just play it safe. Um, mm -hmm. I get the analytics say like, if you go for this, there's a whatever percent chance that you win the game if you get it. But at the same time, th that I feel like that percentage should change based on what the other team has going on at that point. Yeah. Like analytics are like devoid of context of yeah. everything else around, it's just the, the around them in that game. Yeah. yeah. Which as much as I like math as an accountant, you can't play that <laughs> as everything that, like you can't use that for everything in football. Um, yeah. even like Dan Campbell uses it quite a bit. Uh, I know people are just like, oh, he's just aggressive and blah, blah, blah. He's a big analytics guy. And that's kind of why we do do a lot of the things we do, but he has been a lot smarter, uh, lately with situational use of analytics. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's what Staley just doesn't do at all. Yeah. And when he takes a risk like that, I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say most of the time they're calculated. Like the, like even if you're taking context into account in his case, like the fake punt in week one where they were against the Chiefs, like you do that, obviously Patrick Mahomes is probably going to score if you fuck it up, but you do that because you're against the Chiefs, you have to be aggressive. Like you're taking yes. the context of the team you're playing into account, like because you know you have to be perfect to beat a team like that in a lot of cases. Saley just kind of does, like you said, he just does whatever it feels like. Like if it weren't the Chargers, it would be maddening for me, but I kind of like that he's there because I feel like he's limiting this team from reaching the clear potential that it has. So stay there as long as you can, Brandon Staley. I hope you keep a job forever. Okay, moving on to the last of our team's games. This was the Sunday night football game. This was my boys, the Chiefs, going into New Jersey to play the New York Jets in uh, MetLife Stadium. So there are a bunch of stories going into this game. Obviously, uh, Mahomes and Rodgers uh, still hasn't happened yet. Aaron Rodgers fears Patrick Mahomes. That's what I'm saying. Uh, he was there. He was talking to some people on the sideline and everything like that before the game. Um, obviously, T-Swizzle was there, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit more after the game. We'll actually address it a little bit. Um, the game itself was a, was a tale of the first quarter and then the rest of the game. Um, so the first quarter, Chiefs get off to a big 17-0 lead. Pacheco has a huge run for a touchdown pretty much immediately, and it just looks like their Chiefs are going to cruise into a victory. Obviously, the Super Bowl champions against the Zach Wilson Jets feels like a mismatch in pretty much every way. Jets defense is really good, but is it going to be enough to keep them in the game? And uh, it turns out that actually kind of ended up being the case because Jets defense started doing their job once we got to the second quarter. And not only that, uh, but Zach Wilson straight up outplayed Patrick Mahomes in this game. Uh, I, I will be the one to say it. Uh, the reason the Chiefs kind of dug, dug themselves a hole they did and allowed the Jets to come back was Mahomes, he was shook in some way. I don't know if it was... It, if he was like unable to plant his foot because of the little ankle tweak he had a week ago or what, but he was making some really bad throws, throwing some, throwing some touch passes where he shouldn't have, uh, he threw two picks that were really bad, like missing people. It was a very non Mahomes performance, uh, compared to obviously his usual output. And, uh, he had, he had a good performance on the last drive of the game. Obviously there are some controversial calls there, but yeah, he just kind of looked unlike himself uh, for a lot of this game, and it kept the Jets in the game, and Wilson was playing just well enough to uh, keep the offense going, and uh, yeah, this turned into a pretty competitive and tight game down the stretch. It was 20-12 uh, to 12 at halftime. The Chiefs were up, and Jets got some points in the fourth quarter, tied it up. Uh, Chiefs ended up winning 23-20, to 20, but yeah, I mean, there's... There's a huge momentum shift in this game uh, in the second second quarter. Uh, there was a, a safety that the Jets got. They the score became seventeen to two because uh, of a Jawan Taylor uh, face mask hold, which looked like it started before the before they actually got into the end zone. Um, and then they still called it as a safety. That was the first kind of contentious call that happened, and then it just went from there. The snowball just kept rolling for uh, in the Jets' favor, and uh, it turned into a pretty exciting game uh, down the stretch. So, Jane of Arcadia, what else you guys got? I just wanted to address the flags on the last drive. They were kind of ridiculous, honestly. Like, I, 
I know the Chiefs probably would have won anyway, but uh, there was one one that was thrown. It was like on a third and 20, and Patrick Mahomes gets rid of the ball, and then they throw the defensive holding flag like after the ball is like – after the play is basically over. So it it kind of felt a little icky. And uh, like I know a lot of Jets fans were really complaining after the game. I know Robert Sala was – really letting the refs have it and all that. And I still think the chiefs probably would have won the game, but it, it, it didn't look great from, from my yeah. optics of this. Are, yeah, I suppose. I, oh no, I get you. Optics of it are bad. I still think like I've said before, uh, never misplaced malice for incompetence. And I feel like NFL refs are like the key, uh, the key source of that. I think. Yeah. I, I actually missed a lot of this game, but I did see that. And, um, at least on you know on Twitter and and everything. What what makes it more suspect, I guess, when you when you see it and makes people question the intentions or the competence of the refs is that so the the Mahomes threw uh, threw a pick basically on that play and yeah. so Sauce Gardner you could make an argument maybe there was a hold but he was in tight coverage but like clearly the ref like let the play almost complete the interception happened. And then he threw the flag. Like he didn't call it while yeah. the hold was going on. He only threw it after there was a pick. Yeah. So yeah, that's the optic, the optics of, the of that just look horrible. People have their tinfoil hats on about all this, and I think that that gets a little ridiculous. But like you said, the optics aren't great. They they like work in the favor of of those bullshit conspiracy theories. I think, and that's what makes this really fucking annoying to like me. Where it's like, I mean, like like you said, Arcade, they probably would have still won the game anyway. Like. You know, they still have to go out and perform after they get, you know, billed out with calls like that. And they still did. They did their job and everything. Mahomes had the big slide at the end. But yeah, like it's it's annoying that, you know, it happens frequently enough in the league. And it's been happening with the Chiefs where this is what the games boil down to or discussions about these couple plays rather than the game itself, which was actually pretty fucking exciting. Like, you know, if if if, if you weren't playing my team, I would be so happy for how Zach Wilson played in this game just because his whole career oh, has yeah. been like so, so underwhelming. And he comes out and has the game of his life in a game like this. It feels like wrong that he doesn't get rewarded with the win at the end of this. There was a, there's a lot of things that happen in this game. Uh, I, I do want to shout out Salah's defense, I think. Uh, since he's left the 49ers, uh, the Jets have been a tumultuous organization. But one thing has been uh, sure is that their defense continues to trend in the right direction. And, um, you know, Sauce Gardner, really good. Uh, and uh, they have they have a lot of really good players, Quinnen Williams uh, and uh, and a lot of other. Uh, What's his name? Mosley, the linebacker, was also really good in this game. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's tough uh, in a lot of ways also because Zach Wilson had the game of his life. Uh, he he really like took it to Patrick Mahomes and, um, you know, scored points and, and uh, you know, did all that. And then also at the at functionally the most critical point in, in the game, he fumbled the ball uh, mm-hmm. on, a, on a on a snap and the snap wasn't he even did bad. fumble like, a just, snap. He like he the ball went to his hands and then he didn't gather it properly to get ready to throw and then next thing you know the ball's on the ground and the and the chiefs get the ball and uh you know they don't give they, it back. they you know take care of business there yeah it's a, uh, it's a seven and a half minute drive to end the game after the chiefs got the ball back after that fumble they didn't give it yeah. back and and you know i i mean yeah the defense maybe could have stepped up and there was a number of third down opportunities and all those things but the officiating from the jump in this game was was awful. I mean, it wasn't not that it was bad per se, but it was just so involved. 
And I think when games get quote unquote like over officiated or there's so much officiating, mm-hmm. then you start to go ticky tack with every every call, especially late in the game yeah. when the whistle usually dies down a little bit and they start to let guys play. It's like, well, if you were calling it in the first half, you got to call it in the, like that in the second half. And it, yeah. it it's frustrating. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's less frustrating because I think the team that people were expecting to come in and blow out and what it looked like after quarter one was a blowout ended up winning the game. Uh, and so you're like, all right, well, yeah, they got you. Maybe the Jets got host, but also the Jets are bad. And so the odds that they would have won anyways is pretty unlikely. And, and you kind of, uh let it go but I, I think generally like it's uh it's frustrating when there are outside factors that start taking away from the product uh in the game yeah uh and and that is what i think happened especially towards the end of this game and i feel for zach wilson i think he he finally had probably like i think he had definitely the best game of his career and sure. uh and uh you know there's talent on that team like the jets aren't just like a team with a bunch of nobodies uh, and Darrell Revis, it's like it's like a team of competent players on both sides of the ball, and like Brees Hall's a, a good athlete, uh, and and Garrett Wilson is a good athlete, and you know I think as much as you put the energy on Rodgers, it's like there is still maybe some light on the season that they can at least win some games, uh, and and show the talent of the rest of the team and reward the defense for what they've been doing, which is like. In, at least in this game, like a really excellent job. So, yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, you you know, I think it, it's always fun to root for an underdog, and it's frustrating when they get hosed by penalties. And generally, the amount of penalties and the way this game was officiated is, is frustrating to see, especially in a big-time spot. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I, I don't I, – I think the, the thing that also frust- is frustrating about it is that from then on, on Twitter, it's been – just slow-mo clips of every play where they could have called a penalty. It's like, guys, come on. Like this yeah. is the NFL. You if you watch this league week in and week out, they use there's penalties on every play. They don't call them all the time. There's stuff people get away with. Like this is all part of the game. It works both ways. Yeah, they may have got hosed at the end, but that's that's also part of the game. It's like teams get hosed, especially in the regular season, but we've seen it in the postseason also, like all the time. Uh and you just you just kind of have to suck it up sometimes. Uh and that's a story of the game. Uh, well, at least the the story of the game on the field. There was stuff the that field. happened off the field. Yeah, I, as someone who who didn't watch the game a ton, uh, how how did the Jets shut down Mister Pfizer? Uh, they had a really good linebacker. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, he was running Mahomes. all over them in the first quarter, and then he did basically nothing after that. Yeah, and then Mahomes just forgot how to throw the ball and run an offense. That yeah. there was that too. Yeah. Yeah, Chiefs receiving core still hasn't stepped up, but also Mahomes had uh, a pretty bad game uh, by not just his standards, just a bad game in general. And yeah, that, that kept the Jets in it, like we said. But yeah, Mr. Pfizer, uh, Bobby mentioned, uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously. We are going to actually talk about this a little bit for real, not just joke around about it, because I think there is some interesting stuff to discuss with the impact of Taylor Swift, who is, you know, allegedly in a relationship with Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's pretty much confirmed. Um, that is the big story in the league right now off the field and is bleeding into the games because she attended the Bears game last week and she and a bunch of other celebrities uh, went to the Chiefs-Jets game, had the big suite at MetLife. So it's a thing and the league is like really, really, really soaking it all up. They're they're using it every chance they get. They changed their like cover photos and their bios and everything to to talk about it. Like they're clearly getting a lot out of this and 
Um, you know, the, the cynic in me sees this as as a pretty clear PR move for both sides of this here. Uh, the NFL gets a lot of benefit from it. Taylor Swift, obviously, you know, when you're that big of a star, pretty much every breath you take is a, is a calculated PR move. And this is another one of those uh, for her. So it's like... And you I, happen to have a movie like or a concert film coming out into theaters pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, next weekend. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the timing of all this is, is something. And uh, of all of all people, she uh, she gets the the guy who was born in the same year as her, one of the more popular players in the league. I think even people who don't like the Chiefs don't really have a bad word to say about Travis Kelsey. Um, the Kelsey family as a whole is pretty beloved among the league at this point. They've made his mom into a celebrity, and obviously Jason is a big part of that as well. So it's like, if you're if you're looking to um, a very safe pick uh, for for her side of things to get Travis Kelsey involved in here, and if you're the NFL, always looking to add more viewers and especially to add more female viewers, which I'm sure I haven't done the exact numbers on the demographics, but I'm sure it's obviously a male dominated demographic that watches the NFL largely. Uh, you can see the business benefits of this on both sides, and we're seeing it already. Ratings for the league have been up over, uh, all in all year over year so far this season, uh, pretty significantly for the league. But uh, this Chiefs Jets game, even without Aaron Rodgers there, is the big story for Rodgers versus Mahomes for the first time. Even without that, this was still the most watched game at all since the Super Bowl, and the most watched thing on a Sunday night since the Super Bowl. Um, so it's a pretty big thing. Thirty million people essentially watch this game live, and that's a lot. You know, obviously the NFL pretty much owns TV when it's on, but even so, that's that's pretty big, and it's just kind of a, a sign that the league is growing in popularity again after it was dipping a little bit for a while there. So I think it's interesting just to kind of study the business of everything that's happening here. And like you were talking, uh, someone mentioned you know Kelsey's jersey sales are up like four hundred percent right now, even in just the week since you know everything went official and became public. So I think from bit from a business standpoint, it's pretty fascinating to actually look at like all the results of this as it's going to be happening for a little while. Here, yeah, the, here's the thing with like the whole, like it's a calculated PR move for both sides. Like do, does either of them really need the PR? Like she's the biggest pop star in the world right now and possibly of all time. He's the greatest tight end in the world right now, possibly of all time. Like I, the whole conspiracy theory that, oh, they just got into the relationship to bump the NFL's numbers, to bump the the concert movie ticket sales or whatever. Like, I I think they're just having fun. And the, like all the all the publicity is just like a byproduct of it. Like that they, that's kind of un, inescapable. It's just like uh, me personally, I'd, I'd rather I, I'm sick of it, honestly. Like I've mentioned this to you guys uh, over the last couple of weeks. Like I at this point, I just let them have their fun. Let them live their lives like we. Uh, I, I'm, it's just not yeah, going to happen. No, it's yeah. Like, She's look, too I, big for that to happen. Like, I, but I agree it's, with you that it's not like they got into the relationship to have this business side of it. But once everyone was aware of what was going on, then now everyone is taking advantage of it, including the yeah. NFL very, very heavily. Um, yeah. Like they're very not. Much, yeah. Like, so. Yeah. So it's not like I think it's a fake thing or whatever i just think that everyone saw an opportunity and everyone's taking it and i don't blame anyone who is but it can get annoying um especially on the broadcast side when it's you know constantly cutting or twitter where everyone is constantly talking about it um but overall like you know it's bringing in fans like so this game i think it was like 27 million people watched it the previous highest watched game of the year was the first game of the year the lions chiefs so another chiefs game uh, that was like 21 million. So five extra million or six extra million people watching the game because of probably Taylor Swift like that. That's a big, big number. Um, yeah. So it, it's making an impact. 
big celebrities involved and and that always like it's going to draw attention and taylor swift is is by far the hottest celebrity right now in terms of popularity especially after the the era's concert tour and 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 all of that and so um but i for me the the thing that uh i appreciate about it is that there's likely more people who would have never tuned into a nfl game watching an nfl game uh and and i think that if you can if the nfl can invite and i i know this is obviously going to be like nfl fans are are awful i mean like fans in general of most things are, are pretty bad especially like to to be inviting to let people into the games and let people into their space but like if this is what it takes to bring uh more women to watch the game or you know more people who would never have seen football to watch the game then i'm more than uh, like i think it, it's cool uh and i think it's like something that the nfl should re- like reward and, and try to encourage I do feel like, you know, we, we counted the cutaways on the broadcast in a, in a competitive game and it was like 10 times and they still brought her 12. up all the time or it was 12 times and they still brought her up all the time and they had a whole like highlight reel at the beginning before the game started about it. So like, has it reached the tipping point where it's too much? Yes. It's, it's definitely like become part of like a little, I think it starts to detract from a little bit from the product on the field, but at the same time if this is how you get more fans of different demographics into the game and, you know, more people watching the game and have like the NFL audience grow, if only just to have more people talking about the sport. Um, you know, I, it's in some ways, um, and, and this is like uh, a, a bit of a different situation, but in some ways it's similar to F1. Um, you know, I, I got into F1 racing a few seasons, a few seasons ago and, uh, that was just like being in engineering school and being around a bunch of engineers who were into it. But at the same time, like there was a big reality show, uh, that maybe a lot of people have seen called drive to survive about F1. And a lot of people got invested from drive to survive and have joined like F1 fandom and, and, and the sport has grown in popularity. And it's, and I think it's those people who are making the most interesting content about the sport, even if there are, you know, even if they can't escape the, a bit of the, like, um, moniker that oh you're only watching the sport because of drive to survive and you don't know anything like I think that that's like a really um, frustrating part about seeing this expansion but I, I think in on the whole like yes there are negative parts of it but seeing more people being involved and interested in the game is something that uh, should be rewarded and something that you know the league should continue to f- further to do um, maybe not just with Taylor Swift I think there's other ways to do it but if Taylor Swift is the first you know first cut at it then you know, they should find other ways to bring more people into the game. Yeah, I have one more point. I, I think also the NFL was a little bit desperate to make specifically this week uh, bigger than maybe it could have been because this was supposed to be Rogers Mahomes for the first time. Yep. Um, and obviously that isn't the case because of the injury. So um, they were expecting this to be a big game and they had the opportunity to make it a big game for them audience wise. And they did. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it yeah. makes business sense. Yeah, and my whole thing, uh, just to go back a little bit earlier, I wasn't necessarily saying the whole thing in general was fake from the start, but I think however it started, when you get to that point when you're as big as she is, basically anything you do in your personal personal life uh, is also a career move at that point. And I think when with someone as big as Kelsey with his platform of this podcast and obviously being one of the big stars in the league, it felt inevitable that it was going to turn into this. And I think, like you guys said, pretty much both sides of this kind of saw a, a good business opportunity here, uh, the league especially. And 
they're rolling with it for as long as this thing lasts. Uh, they're going to be rolling with it, and we'll see how it continues. I don't know if she's going to attend every single Chiefs game every Sunday or Monday or whatever, but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a story that kind of follows the league for as long as this thing is going on. So I don't know how much we'll actually be talking about it. It will depend on if, how much actual like news comes from it that needs to be discussed. But I did want to actually talk about it because this was kind of the, the big moment for it so far. It's like they did a slow rollout with the Bears game and they went all in in the, this past week. So I yeah. did want to bring I'll, it up. I'll toss that in that like um, I, and, you know, uh, for me, like my sister, my my parents watch the NFL like on and off. But my sister does not watch sports like she could care less about sports. But, uh, you know she was able to tell my mom about the Taylor Swift news and like she was, she knew who, who the players were and what position he played and what team he was on and, and all of that. So I think it is like, we can see it even directly in our own lives. Like people who are slightly more invested in the game or slight following slightly more what's going on just because of this situation. Um, and uh, if, and you know, it's cool to see that. Uh, and also that she will not be at all the games because her international do- tour does start again. Oh, right. Uh, and once the international sports kicks off, I assume she will not be flying back to the States to watch football on Sundays. Um, though she doesn't. You, mean you don't off. think she's going to come back to watch the Chiefs Broncos game? You don't think that's going to happen? I don't. But I, I, it is wow. possible that she makes it back to the Super Bowl. She is not performing on Sunday uh, for whatever <laughs> that's worth. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I could I could try to convince uh, our, our friend Kat to go to the game this weekend if Taylor should be, you know, it's in Minnesota. Uh, she mm. could be there, so. We'll see. Have not have not heard anything about that about yeah. her being there yet. We will see. Yeah, Trav's birthday is also tomorrow, so there's rumors about that. But anyway, mm. all, right. all right. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I just did want to actually address it, like I said, because we joked about it last week and, and tiptoed around it. But we've addressed it now. We can move on. We're also going long here, so let's talk about what else happened in the league this weekend. Uh, first up, uh, we had a morning game, the first uh, international game in Wembley. Uh, it was the Jaguars and the Falcons. We noted it here, uh, mentioned in the in the Google Doc. We're only bringing this up because of the Toy Story broadcast. Um, appalling. It looks so bad. <laughs> That's my thought. So, no. Yeah, like, not, they, not they at all ready for prime time. Early on and couldn't really show some of the game. And then when they did show the game, like it was kind of impressive at times that they could kind of animate whatever with, it, with the AI or whatever they're doing so quickly. But it was so like just bizarre to see um some of the animations were very off-putting yeah the first drive or two when they weren't able to get to work you could just like see them running around in the background but they kept the like the virtual camera on booger and the other commentator while all that stuff was happening in the background when they were trying to work the kinks out like it was awkward and hilarious as a tv presentation and then once it kind of settled in you're like there's just not like no redeeming quality to this. Like there's no reason even I don't even understand the like the entertainment value a kid would get out of it. Like I genuinely don't understand like I, I get the point of it. I don't think it worked in any way. I, I can speak to that a little bit. I uh, I mentioned to you guys in the group chat, um I was uh visiting with my cousins and all that, and uh my my little nephew, my second cousin actually, but I call him my nephew. Um he I asked him, Did you watch the or did you watch the Toy Story on Disney Plus? And he was like, "Yeah, I watched the the basketball <laughs> right. game, the the basketball players on uh, Disney Plus on the doing Toy Story." And I was asking him about the you know the Slinky Dog and the the crane and all that. So it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy it drew it drew viewers like for I I think it's more like because because he's in like mm-hmm. he's he's not even school age yet. 
So I think in that demographic, like from between like two to to five or two to six or whatever, I think that's Probably, that's yeah. kind of where this whole thing is targeted at. Like if you're older than that, it, it's and you're actually like watching yeah. it for football, like this, this is definitely not for you. But like for the young, young toddlers or whatever, like I think this is it, it's a valiant, mm-hmm. a valiant. Yeah. And attempt. it, yeah. It's a it good could be idea. informational too. You just got to work you know, out Booger McFarland was informing the kids of such things as ayahuasca during the uh, broadcast. <laughs> That's right. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. For for what it's worth, for what I caught of it. Uh, one, it was behind. It wasn't like actually real time. Like they were like at least a couple plays behind. Uh, it was further behind for sure. Yeah, uh, but but I think they they did do some things that were pretty cool, like the the way they animated like the the down markers with uh, Slinky, Slinky the dog, yeah. and, and that was and the great. Way they used that the, was that was genuinely cool. The way they used the claw to place the ball, like that was cool. Um, but I, I think I mentioned this last week, where it's like it'll make for some good highlights on Twitter, and uh, hard to say that it the Bijan highlights. Uh, hard to say that it did that. Some of the highlights were cool. Uh, most of the highlights mm-hmm. in the actual game that were translated were not as cool. Um, yeah, I I will say this though. Uh, you know, we've we've now had this broadcast thing, whatever it was, and Nickelodeon has has done their Nickelodeon broadcasts, uh, and <laughs> uh, the Nickelodeon broadcasts have a bunch of zany, goofy things happen in them. Uh, and uh, they use the characters, and they make it relatable, and they talk to it for kids, and it's actually good. Like I would say that the Nickelodeon yeah. broadcasts are actually fun. This like like there was definitely a way here that you could have done a lot of the similar things, but in the field of play, like actually aired the the players playing the plays. Like you could that's have added, what I was gonna say. You could have added the dog and and the and the way they did the goalpost animations and and all these other things with the actual players on the field and that part of the 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 game experience did not have to be ai or whatever the thing is i think like again like i mentioned before i i think the the problem with showing the actual players to it it's not for that demographic that they're trying to reach the very young kids because football is a contact sport it's a very violent game and I think Dis- like the whole sponsors with Disney and all that were probably afraid to actually show that and market that towards like young kids. Like yeah, if there's a big injury or the, the, anything like that. You yeah. Know? Like exactly, we saw all the tweet, exactly. all the joke tweets about how, what, what if they have to animate like Damar Hamlin happening? It's like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a good point to make. What do they do there? Like, do they just cut away, pretend they it didn't happen? I mean, that's probably what they would just, do. They would just talk. Yeah. Yeah, and they'd have to sound like they were not scared for a man's life or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there's clearly some uh, some things, some kinks they'd have to work through just in terms of the flow of a, of a football game. I do think the weird like void space of the of like this empty void of Andy's room, the whole idea like that also kind of hurt things because like you hear a crowd kind of sorta, but like you just see a totally empty room around them. I do think integrating like the live action stuff into that would probably be a better way to make that work. But just, like we said, or like how about crowd, this? Like the toy soldiers. Toy exactly. Soldiers. exactly. Put all the soldiers yes. in the crowd. That's immediately what I thought. Put all the toy soldiers exactly. in the crowd. Do something. But it's just a, it's just a fucking bedroom. They just like they just like put this PNG of Andy's room PNG, and that's just the whole background of everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. I mean, clearly some some stuff to work out. I assume they'll do something like this again. But I do agree with Arcadia's overall point that it feels like it's targeting an even younger crowd than like the Nickelodeon stuff did. Because like Nickelodeon to me is like elementary school age type type. Uh, like that type of age group that they're targeting and this feels even younger than that this feels like preschoolers uh i think also it may be like a uh 
a demo of like, hey, look at all these like AI things that we're doing or look at all these like next generation, yeah. you know, content creation strategies that we have. Um, and and I think like to that end, like you can you clearly see this is a generation one sort of thing. Like it, it just like didn't like it, it, it didn't have the same effect as as you would want it to. Uh, and it, it like it wasn't ready for a full game. Like, I think there's a way you could have done this as like a Disney broadcast with, you know, and Andy's room highlights. Like you, you there's there's ways you could have done this where you presented a little bit more of a refined product and i don't know if we see it again this season or 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 mm -hmm. what the case may be but that i think that's that's all i have to say about andy's room uh until toy yeah toy story six until toy story five um but yeah the game itself uh jaguars are still looking a little i don't know if rusty is the word but they still aren't quite totally clicking on offense yet uh falcons need something like they have Bijan robinson they out there who's great quarterback they need a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one that's currently playing in Minnesota. Oh, I was I saw people like that's speculating about fields to the and Oh yeah. They have one currently on their bench. I know. They actually the do ball. have a much better yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, they have Heineke on the bench, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They could just put him in, but yeah, they have Desmond Ritter out there and uh you know, poor Kyle Pitts and poor Yeah, and Drake London both being wasted out there. Yeah, I mean Ritter especially this game I just noticed was because I feel like he was probably coached up after the Lions game because he got sacked seven times. Like, you have to get rid of the ball. Um, mm -hmm. And this game, he didn't even read what was going on and just tried to throw it to the first read the entire time. Um, and he got picked multiple times just because he just fired it into multiple defenders, mm -hmm. like not even looking at what the receiver was doing at that point, it seemed like. Like, he was just like, yeah. oh, they told me I shouldn't get sacked, so I'm just going to throw the ball. Like that that's not what you do. You have to actually read the play. No. Yeah, make some progressions. Maybe. Yeah, the team itself, especially on offense, like has a ton of talent and they just don't have a way to harness it at quarterback right now. And uh, like I said, like I said, I've been seeing some speculation about like they should go after fields or something. It'd be an improvement. Uh but I did see people like propose like the terms of the trade and the result of this would be Desmond Ritter starting as quarterback in Chicago. Could you imagine? I mean, it wouldn't be any worse yeah. than where they currently are. I mean, they don't have any wins right now. It's not like they would generate wins by doing that trade other than getting more draft capital. The only reason I would It would not, still technically get worse, though. But the, yeah. the, the only reason I would not like that is it would increase the chances of Chicago getting of Caleb getting, Williams. Yeah. Um, for this year alone, I, it would be hilarious. But mm -hmm. Chicago having two chances with two 0-4 teams to get Caleb Williams oh, yeah. is kind of tormenting me right now. Uh, yeah, so that was that game. Uh, Jags looked a little better than they have. They're still not totally back in the saddle. Uh, they're not looking as good as they did at the end of last season. And they're staying in uh, in the UK this week. They're playing Buffalo this Sunday morning. So we'll get to that next week. Uh, speaking of Buffalo, they played Miami in uh, one of the big games of the week. Obviously, the Dolphins were undefeated heading into the game. They just put up 70 on the Broncos. Bills have looked really good since week one. And uh, they outclassed the hell out of the Dolphins in this game. They... Uh, the Bills' offense kind of went off in this game. This is one of the be like probably their best performance, obviously, of the entire season, and they held the Dolphins in check relatively. Like I just expected it to be, especially with the way the Dolphins' offense had been playing, kind of a, a shootout back and forth game. Um, but the Bills pretty much took control relatively early. I think the Dolphins, if I remember right, might have been up very early on, um, and then the Bills just kind of took control after that. But um, they were able to limit the speed um the bills were able to limit the speed of the of miami and not really let them get into open spaces which is what they had been mm -hmm. doing all year um so maybe this is like a blueprint of how to defend the team or maybe it's just the matchup um 
was, you know, it just, it just works out with these two teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, Miami was still able to move the ball, but they weren't nearly as explosive as they had been. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, obviously the bills have a good offense. They can score whenever Josh Allen can go off at any time. And he had a great game. Um, but what stood out to me is that there was actually a team able to defend the Miami offense that has looked virtually unstoppable all year, especially last game mm-hmm. where they put up 70. So, um, yeah. you know, Tua, I think is very, very sharp in a schemed offense. Like when the, when the play is on schedule, when the play is exactly as McDaniels draws it up, he can perfectly, you know, put the ball where it needs to be. Um, system quarterback, si- but, yeah. sis- but like, not just system, like a little more elite system quarterback, I guess, if you would say like, he's, he's much better than just someone that you throw in there that can just run the offense in my opinion, but he's not someone that yes. can go off schedule and then Patrick Mahomes it and make a play out of nothing. So if the bills take away the one and two options or whatever, then he's in trouble. Um, and that's kind of what I think they did is they limited just the wide open spaces that the receivers were able to get into. When you lose the turnover battle two to nothing, and you play Josh Allen. Josh Allen's gonna make you pay. And yeah, uh, I mean, he usually he usually tries to help you with the turnover battle. To be fair, he usually gives you a little bit of help with that. Uh, I mean, the, at least this game. I, know. I mean, he was he he's been cleaning up. I know week one was brutal for him, but since then it's it's yeah. been pretty good. And I mean, they're both teams to watch going down the stretch. But I I think Buffalo will eke out the uh, division win if if this is kind of if Miami has even a couple more down games. Although uh, I did just put, like uh, look at the Bills' schedule and there's a, a Eagles chiefs, Cowboys, three game span, uh, two of those on the road uh, that I think will be brutal for them. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see a team go from scoring 71 week to scoring 20 the next. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, also maybe a bit frustrating to see that happen when that talent, that roster has so much talent and uh, you know, other players also didn't have a good game. Mostert didn't have a good game specifically, and and that cost them quite a bit. And so did some other mm-hmm. players and some other plays. So we'll see what happens uh, week over week with with those two teams. But I I have a feeling that Buffalo will regain to their like Buffalo will continue to ascend as Miami goes back to something like a you know twelve and five team or a ten ten and seven team somewhere in there. Yeah, so that was that game. Uh, moving on, another big AFC matchup. Uh, the Bengals are broken right now, folks. They lost 20, 27-3 to the Titans, who I have no faith in as a team whatsoever, and they fucking Brutal. destroyed Cincinnati. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's just Burrow's injury. I think, you know, they put a little something together in that Rams game, but that, that offense is just not functioning. Jamar Chase is not happy. We saw some of his postgame comments like, yeah, the, the, that side of the ball is just not clicking for the Bengals at all. And the Titans, I don't even personally think are that good a team, and they just totally destroyed them here. Um, I've criticized Cincinnati's offense in the past that they just kind of rely on uh, players to get open for the most part. And they do, I don't think they have an, a mm-hmm. fantastic scheme. I think it's magnified when your quarterback's hurt and he can't mm-hmm. do what he can usually do and push the ball downfield and you're not creative enough to come up with something better than what you're trying to do. Like they're just trying to run the same offense and it's not working. They did a little bit yeah. better against the Rams. I noticed trying to get chase into the mix and running him some shorter routes, just getting him the ball and letting him run. Um, yeah, but that's easy to like defend. So as soon as you know, that's what they're doing the next week, you can take, you can take that out of the game. So they're not creative enough to come up with something to compensate for Burrow's injury. 
Yeah, and they can't get down the field at all. I'm looking, the longest catch anyone had in this game for Cincinnati was 17 yards. Like, they can't get down, they can't move the ball, like, down the field in any significant degree at all. And they had to throw the ball a lot in this game because they were behind so big. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to get to the point if they lose a couple more games. I saw some, you know, uh, some conspiracy tweets where it's like, they should just rest Burrow the rest of the year and tank for, you know, someone in, the in like, the early early picks of the draft. I don't know if it'll get to that point, but Marvin they got to do something. Jr. Yeah. Yeah, Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. would would be that would be the play if T. Higgins goes, which I, I I think he probably will. Genuinely, not even as like a oh, it, wouldn't it be funny if they rested Joe Burrow? Like his calf injury is only going to get worse if you keep playing him out there, uh, or he's going to get some other injury. And I know that they're I just looked it up. Their backup quarterback is a rookie. Kind of shame on them for having a terrible backup quarterback when they've seen so many quarterback injuries throughout the league. Um, yeah. On the other hand. Uh, look, Joe Burrow, I, I, I understand you're trying to make a superhuman effort, but through three week through four weeks, like you've, you've won one game and that was like on the razor thin margin. Like you got a Bengals organization needs to understand like this, this year just isn't, it isn't going to work out for you. And frankly, there's too many other teams that are better than the Bengals, especially this like dysfunctional Bengals where they'll fall too far behind in the early part of the season. And even if they catch up towards the end, like you're better off just trying to put Burrow on ice and, and, and have him recharge for next year and, and, you know, roll out there with a little bit more talent you can pick up from the draft and, and do the best you can. I, it's just, it's just not worth it at this point in the way I see it. And uh, yeah, just really, really quick. The um, I think the this next game for Cincinnati is going to be critical in what they're going to do with Burrow. Um, they're playing mm-hmm. the Cardinals. It should be, you know, the Cardinals are that scrappy team, like you said, so they, can put up put up a fight, and at this point, I would kind of expect them to win this game. Um, if they yeah, do, yeah, Bengals only three point favorites here somehow. Like yeah, just because how the season's gone for them. Exactly. So if the Bengals can't win this game, then I expect them to shut Burrow down for a, some period of time and try to get his calf right. Yeah, I was about to point this out because after that game, their next five: Seahawks, 49ers, Bills, Texans, who we just mentioned, Stroud's coming along really well, and Ravens again. After that, that's their next five. Like I, I can't see this current Bengals team winning even two of those right now. To be honest with you, I would think they honestly should sit him this week and try to get yeah. him healthy for the that stretch if they are going to try to win anything. If you're going to try and salvage the season, like at this point they might even be playing for a wild card. Like even this early in the season, that's probably what they should be thinking. Um, you gotta like you gotta rest him at some point, and this feels like the game to do it because that stretch after that I just mentioned is brutal. Uh, but yeah, that was that was Bengals Titans. It's mostly a story of, of the Bengals being broken right now. We'll see how it goes for them this weekend. Uh, speaking of broken teams, the next game we have here, this was the big one. It was the Broncos and the Bears in Soldier Field, two zero and three teams. Ha! And uh, huh? I was just laughing at the Bears. <laughs> oh, just laughing at the Bears. Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, this was actually a pretty exciting game to watch unfold. Uh, specifically as a Justin Fields fantasy owner because he finally put it together. Uh, the Bears actually looked somewhat competent in the first half, and then in the second half, they blew the lead and let the Broncos come back and win their first game of the season. And uh, yeah, that felt like a quintessential Bears performance. Justin Fields goes off, and the team is still incompetent, and they still lose a game that they easily should have won. And uh, that's what happened here. Yeah, broken team. Uh, the Bears are broken right now, folks. And absolutely incompetent coaching. Like, yeah, the one of the worst decisions I've seen ever. Um, they're probably behind Staley. But, you know, um, mm-hmm. the Bears have a chance late in the game to take the lead with a very short field goal. Uh, <laughs> and instead, 
when when you've been you know on the ropes this entire half, uh, decide to go for it, uh, to not take the lead. Yeah, how'd that work out? Uh, Denver just had to go down and kick a field goal, and they won. <laughs> like, yeah, like all you had to do was do that, and then honestly, it probably would have been an overtime game at that point. Or you yeah. kick it off and and have it deeper, and um, Denver just doesn't score because they're not that great. So uh, yeah. Great game by Fields in the first half. The second half, Denver, you know, it's kind of like good teams can stop that momentum shift. Like the Lions were able to contain the Packers after they kind of had a little bit of a shift after the dominant first Mm -hmm. half and just put them away. The Bears are not a good team, so the the Broncos, you know, had that that shift and they were putting on some pressure on the Bears and were scoring points and finally were able to tie it. Like they could not put the game away. They couldn't run time off the clock. Fields was making mistakes. Um, late in the game and then you had a chance yeah. to take the lead and you don't do it like just even just for publicity sake for your quarterback like he drove them down to take the lead then it's not his fault if or whatever if they go down and um, if Denver goes down and, and scores or whatever after that point but instead yep. you give Fields the ball back later he throws a pick and it's like okay well now you can put the blame black back on the quarterback so I don't know it's just it's it's brutal it's it's not they're just not good. And I'm kind of, obviously I'm a little happy about it because they, the bears fans have been obnoxious in the off season. So I'm mm-hmm. a little bit happy with these results, but um, it's uh yeah, not great over there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the last game we have here. Uh, the other battle of the winless teams. It was the Vikings playing the Panthers. The Vikings finally got a W in the W column here. Uh, Kirk Cousins did do some Kirk Cousins things. He threw He threw a pick six uh, from the end zone pretty much uh, pretty early on in the game that the Panthers took back. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it was a Kirk Cousins performance. He, he beat a bad team, which uh, he usually is pretty good at doing. And uh, it was a competitive game, but the Vikings did finally get, get on the board. I don't have a ton to say about this game. I just want to mention that Kirk O'Chain's got a W. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. Kirk O'Chain's got a yeah, W. Just, the Panthers Justin are back. Jackson finally his his uh, worst yeah. game of the year though like as far as like actual 139 two touchdowns two picks yeah not great yeah I mean, uh, Justin Jefferson finally got in the end zone though he got two touchdowns in this game good for him Minnesota just showing they're not they're still just not great but they're um one of the I, I don't know they can win some games like this and they can win games with their offense but yeah. Kirk has just been way more of the uh the Kirk that people kind of think of him and meme him about this year than, than he had been last year. Uh, they got maybe one, uh, two, three, four. Wow. Four winnable games, five winnable games. They play the Raiders. Um, and then they end their season. So it's uh bears, Niners, Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, bears, Raiders, Bengals, Lions, Packers, Lions. I expect them uh, to win a few games that we don't expect them to at this point because they're one in three or whatever. Like, I, I think, think they can win any game. They can. Like, that's the thing. They they are a competitive team. They're going to be. They're yeah. not incompetent on either side. Their defense is not very good, but it's not like it's the most brutal defense in the world. Their offense is actually good, but they turn the ball over at key times, and that's kind of what's happened this year. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably what I see for them. But again, they can win any of those games that you mentioned. I feel like even the Chiefs game this weekend, I'm like, oh, they can very easily they, win that game. I can see that happening for sure. Or something like they, they division games. Oh, are for whatever, sure. So you know, brief recap of prime time. Uh, let me get the doc pulled up here. 
yeah, so Thursday night, uh, everyone picked Detroit except me, so I fell behind. Sunday night, we all picked the Chiefs. We all got that right. Monday night, we all picked the Seahawks over the Giants. Uh, another brutal game for the Giants, and we all got that one right. So, uh, yeah, I lost again with everybody. You guys had a perfect week. Congratulations. 13-1, and baby. Sucks there you suck. go. Just win, baby. <laughs> it does. Uh, okay, moving on to fantasy updates. Can we just skip, can, can we just skip this no. one? No. Oh, no, we can't. You know we can't. You know we can't do that. So Bobby and I uh, faced each other, and last year, both of our matchups against each other were both incredibly close. I believe both were decided by, if not both less than a point, both definitely less than two points. And uh, finally bucked the trend this week. I, I I did win again. I finally had a really good performance in fantasy. I put up 150 points, basically. Justin Fields, A.J. Brown, uh, Josh Jacobs, and Isaiah Pacheco, all four finally had the big games I knew they were all capable of, and they all happened in the same week. If they could all happen a bit more consistently, then maybe I could, I could get somewhere, but I am on the board at one and three, and uh, yeah, not a great week for you, Bobby, unfortunately, but at least I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, my team started 2-0 and pretty fraudulently, and I know that, um, mm-hmm. and then lost the next two weeks pretty pretty horribly uh, to Elena and then to you, so I need to do something, or you just my guys need to step up, like Kelsey needs to play like the first round pick that I expected him mm-hmm. to be. Um, Trevor Lawrence needs to actually be a competent fantasy quarterback, and he hasn't been. Um, no. So, you know, I, I've made a couple of moves. I am looking to do something else. We'll see. But putting up 88 points is, is not great. So unfortunate for you, but uh, at least I got my first win of the season. So maybe, maybe I can salvage this season. Uh, Jay Navarcato, do you guys have anything? CMC dropped 48. Um, yeah. That's all, that's he all, sure did. That's all she wrote. Yeah, you had a pretty pretty high scoring competitive matchup against Kevin. I'm looking at looking at it here. He had Diggs who had 36. You had CMC who had 49. You had Kyron Williams who had 28. I mean, yeah, that that's a, that was a pretty fun high scoring matchup that you had, and uh, you came Montgomery out with a W. So congratulations. Like 34. As oh, well. forgot about forgot about Montgomery. Yeah, you had a good week, Arcadio. You also had a good week. I did. I uh, I actually won in every league that I'm in. Hey. And um, yeah. So this league, I'm four and zero. And uh, still the highest scoring team. Still feel pretty good. Um, kind of have a tall order this week because my two uh, MVPs through the first four games of the season are on bye. Mm-hmm. Herbert and Allen. So I got to do some Herbert and Allen. Yes, sir. And uh, got to do some tinkering around because I got a I got a tough matchup against JB this week. The uh, uh, he was the recipient of my Derrick Henry trade mm-hmm. when I traded for Debo Samuel. So uh, that's going to be interesting to take a look at. Um, and the the most exciting part of the week for me for fantasy was I needed, going into Monday night's game, I needed 17 points from both uh, between Kenneth Walker and Darren Waller. And Darren Waller put up one catch the entire game for almost the entire game. And uh, Kenneth Walker had an okay day. Uh there, there was there was one tackle towards in I think it was the fourth quarter. Um, he was getting ready to break away and he got tackled by like the shoestring at like the ten yard line, and that would have won me the game. And I was well, like very tilted. One off of his that. first plays almost won you the game. One of his first plays almost won me the game yep. too. A big, uh, a, a weird. Was he down? Was he not down? Mm-hmm. There was no whistle. Whole thing that went on, but um, yeah, I was. I was down 1.3 points after that drive when he got tackled by the shoestring. And uh, I was, I was certain that, Oh, like th- that, that's it. Like they're not going to give him the ball like after this again. 
Um, they're probably just going to take knees or whatever. They're going to get the ball back and take knees. And the Giants hadn't been going to Darren Waller like almost the entire game. So I, I was just like hating life. And then I go from hating life to being like the most excited I've ever been watching <laughs> fantasy football because Darren Waller on that last drive gets back-to-back catches that were exactly what I needed in order to win the game. Let's because go. if not for the second catch... I would have lost on Kenneth Walker's five-yard loss, the the last carry that he got of the game, um, once the Seahawks got the ball back. So I was, I was thrilled. Yeah, I was ecstatic. Yeah, and yeah, fun week. Yeah. Speaking of garbage time produ- uh, production, I did want to mention another parlay of mine hit, folks, in the Packers game. Uh, it was very uh, the Packers Lions game. I was very concerned because the last part I needed was Jordan Love passing yards and. Well, he pretty much only had to throw, like, could only throw the entire second half, and I did, I did get another parlay to hit. So I'm on a fire right now, folks. Shout out me. I'm just gonna, gonna pat myself on the back a little bit. Um, oh, good for you. Okay. Good for me, exactly. Hey, we both had a good night Thursday. Uh, we did. Yeah. So moving on from that, uh, we go to second down. Finally, uh, news recap. A couple stories to recap here. Uh, some of them we kind of mentioned a little bit. Jameson Williams is back from his suspension this week. The league mm-hmm. has changed its uh, its gambling rules somewhat. So the suspension got, uh, after the rule change, the uh, suspension got shortened. So he is back to the team this week. Remains to be seen how much volume he's going to get. I imagine they're going to slowly reintegrate him into yeah. the offense. We kind of D- talked about that already. Yeah, Dan Campbell um, pretty much mentioned that it's not fair to him if they kind of try to thrust him back into the offense and give him too much right away. Um, mm-hmm. he didn't play a ton last year. He got injured in training camp this year. So he didn't, he played one preseason game, uh, and then was hurt. So like, uh, he hasn't had a ton of time with the team. So, um, he's pretty much a rookie at this point. So like, yeah. I expect him to get some usage, but he's not going to be out there a ton of snaps. We're probably going to take, take a couple deep shots to him, but it'll take a few games to really get him integrated into the offense fully. So he returned for suspension. A couple of players uh, finally returning from injury. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, who's been on the pup list with an ankle injury, practiced uh, today. So he is back. I don't like it's going to be a couple weeks before he's actually back back. Right. Or can he be back this week? They they can bring him back as soon as this week. They can activate. OK, him. I thought they said something like it was going to take like 14 to 21 days or something. He has he's in the the practice window right now, okay. and they have 21 those 21 days to act to reactivate him before him. they gotcha. have to okay. put him back on. Yeah before he has to go back on like IR. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's the deal with him. Uh, Cooper cup uh, for the Rams. who has been on IR with a, ha- a hammy injury is designated to return to practice. Uh, did he Don't actually practice today? Or is... He did. He did practice. He did. You think Puka took his job, huh? No, I think that they are yeah. both going to do pretty well. Um, I think cups going to eat into the record amount of, you know, targets that Puka's getting, but I think yeah, they kind of found something off in week four. Yeah. It's, it's Robert Woods and Cooper Cup all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Puka is filling the Robert Woods role. I actually yeah. doesn't doesn't catch or maybe a lot he's of playing the Cooper Cup role yeah. now. I the the thing with Cup is he gets in the end zone a lot, That's and true. Puka has not been doing that. Yeah, he finally did to uh, win the game in overtime this week. His first NFL yeah. touchdown did win them the game. So shout out Puka for the incredible start that he's had. But yeah, Cup is back in practice. Good to see him back. Good to see uh, good to see a couple star players. I believe Colin or no Colin has Taylor and uh, Kyle who I'm against has Cup. Just in time for Cup to come back is when I play Kyle this week. So that's unfortunate for me. A um, couple other a uh, couple other moves that were made. So uh, J C Jackson uh, who signed with the Chargers last year. I believe before star last season has barely played for them, and he was traded from the Chargers to the Patriots. Wasn't he a Patriot before then? He's he going was. right back. Yes, he's going exactly. back. Yes, it's Justin like, Verlander all like over again. It, well, it's like a lot of 
Patriot players, to be honest. Like that, that's happened a ton where they go to other teams, sign massive contracts, get cut or whatever, and don't work out, and they just sign back with Patriots. It's happened yeah. a lot. Like uh, Flowers mm-hmm. from the Lions did the same thing. Um, there's a few others that I've seen people float around. It's like, oh yeah, that that's pretty much a trend. Uh, in the AFC West, another big defensive signing from a couple years ago, Randy Gregory, who the Broncos signed for a lot of money, got cut by the Broncos today. So I, I did see a tweet where it's like all these pieces that the AFC West tried to get in 2022 to stop Mahomes and they're all gone. Yeah, so uh, not so fun. The The last story we have here for the news, uh, the Chandler Jones story that's been going on with the Raiders. He was officially released by the Raiders after his arrest. He's been having some clear mental health issues. I don't really need to get into all the details. Arcado, you would know more about it specifically than I would, but it has not been pretty. It's been kind of a whole messy situation, and they finally cut bait and, and released him uh, about a week ago. So, yeah, it has not been fun, but it seems like this kind of had to happen. Yeah, I, I don't really need to go into the details. Like, it's I'm going to let that all yeah. play out as is. Like, it's it's tough, yeah. tough stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah, nothing good there, nothing positive there. Hope he gets whatever help he needs. Um. Uh, yeah, so moving on to third down, we have some injuries to uh, the injury roundup, as we call it. So Kenny Pickett uh, has a bone bruise in his knee. Uh, we thought he might miss some time. Looks like he's trending to play this week. We talked, I think, before we started recording about differences between like Travis Kelsey having a, bro- a bone bruise and having to do all that movement and Kenny Pickett having a bone bruise. It's a little easier for a quarterback to come back from that. But because they had a bye week in week six, I think a lot of people were thinking the Steelers might just let him have a couple weeks of rest. But it looks like they're just going to thrust him back into it this week and I mean, as backup quarterbacks go, Trubisky's not the worst one you can have, but I still would have considered, you know, letting let him pick it uh, set for this week. But looks like they're gonna try and play him at least, at least relative to how Kenny Pickett's been playing. <laughs> yeah, like Trubisky wouldn't be too much of a downgrade. Not much of a downgrade. Uh, so we mentioned uh, Justin Herbert's finger. Uh, says he won't miss any time with that broken finger on his non-throwing hand. It was funny. I did want to mention we were talking about that game. To see, I've never seen the quarterback kneel out of the shotgun before. Uh, but he did that at the end of the at the end of the Raiders game, just out of necessity, because right. yeah. Trent Green would not show up for the whole second half about how he couldn't take any snaps under center at that point. And uh, he did that one quarterback sneak, which I imagine hurt like hell. And uh, then he did the the quarterback kneel downs, but. He wouldn't miss any time, but we'll see if it affects him at all as in terms of how they have to snap the ball or anything like that. Uh, another big injury, Tredavious White for the Bills is out for the season. That's a pretty big blow to their defense. Uh, I think they're getting Von Miller back sometime soon, but yeah, that's a pretty big piece for them that, that's gone for the rest of the year now, unfortunately. So, I mean, as a Chiefs fan, that helps us, but you don't want to see a guy tear, tear his Achilles and be out for the whole year. So that really that really blows for him. Uh, T. Higgins uh, did mess up his ribs a little bit in that Bengals game. He had to come out kind of early in that game. Says he might miss some time. Do we have any additional notes here about that or any additional details? Um, I want to say like they're they might have been partially fractured, and it's like it, you don't want him taking hits like that. So yeah, he's especially with the way that they've been performing. Like I, I think they have to sit him for a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah, just let, let the whole team rest for a couple of weeks at this point. Um, yeah, speaking of wide receivers, we have a couple more. Devonte Adams did kind of mess up his shoulder in the Raiders Chargers game. Looked pretty bad at first, uh, but he did end up coming back in the game. Uh, Does not feel good right now, uh, was the quote. And then, who could have possibly added this uh, addendum underneath it that said, neither do I, Tay, neither do I, I wonder. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, next up, Mike Evans uh, also left his game early against the Saints and didn't come back. Uh, This is more than a tweak of his hammy than anything else, but still something to monitor. Hamstring injuries seem like they can be kind of lingering sometimes, so... Hopefully, for the sake of my uh, other fantasy team, he doesn't miss too much time because he's been really good this year so far. Um, so hopefully he's good. 
And uh, Bobby, you said you had one injury to add. Yeah, just a, a note. I, I expect him to play, but it's definitely up in the air. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, was on the injury oh, right. report. He's questionable, but um, we thought it was going to be his toe still, which is what he was dealing with going into the last game, and he wore a metal plate. Um, today, it was noted that it was his abdomen, so it's a new injury. Um, he's technically day-to-day. Uh, I, you know, I haven't heard completely whether he's like how serious I'm kind of expecting he plays and maybe branch doesn't play. Who's also day to day with that ankle from the last game, but uh, something right. to monitor, especially for people that have him in fantasy. I don't expect us to necessarily like push him to play because of the opponent. Um, I think we can get by without him, but um, you know, I'm on tough. He'll play through whatever, but it definitely note like it's a new injury. It's not the same toe. Okay. So uh, that was a good note. A lot of wide receivers kind of have some nagging injuries right now. Uh, that will do it for the injury talk. We will go to fourth down previewing week five, which is upcoming. As far as our teams go, we got a couple prime times. The ones that aren't playing in prime time, uh, starting with the Lions. Bobby, you have the Lions hosting the Panthers. Lions are nine point favorites in this one. We we talked to we kind of previewed this game already. Um, a lot of baggage from last year's matchup here for you. Yeah, and last year really they just beat us on the ground. They like I said, they rushed for over two hundred yards in the first half, I think, and just completely you know ran all all over us. Um, we made it close. Uh, a little bit Goff had an okay game but uh that that was a, a bizarre game in a spot that we really needed it and so this is a revenge game um new coach new scheme new quarterback you know for the Panthers but their defense is pretty much pretty much the same I, I expect to win this game which is again not something I'm used to doing as a Lions fan but again nine and a half now point favorites obviously if we do miss Amon Ra it's a little bit of a, a you know a, a tough thing for the offense but i think we can get by um even just running the ball at that point and throwing to laporta and you know our other receivers but i think this game is just going to come down to can we continue to get to the quarterback and confuse a rookie quarterback with bryce young who hasn't looked fantastic so far if he looks like he has been the rest of the year and we play like we have been it's not going to be much of a game so that's kind of Mm -hmm. what i'm expecting i don't know how much this game i'm going to be able to see so i hope that i'm not um you know, missing some crazy game. But uh, if I check the score and we're up multiple scores early, then I'll know that I can rest easy. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bryce Young, he did have the one week where he's injured, but of the four big new rookie quarterbacks, he's by far had the, the slowest start to his year. Everyone else has kind of been balling, but he's been struggling a little bit. Uh, so we, we'll see how it goes for the Panthers. Again, a game the Lions certainly should win, but we will see how things go. Yeah. Real quick on that. The Panthers have, the Panthers have no defense. So if there was ever a time yeah. for Jameson Williams to get back into it. So, I mean, specifically no secondary. Like, if there was ever a time for the for them to get back into it, it's now. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, Detroit should win this one pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, so, as far as the Chiefs go, uh, they're in Minnesota playing the Vikings. They were five-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, the Chiefs were, and that's been updated to four-point favorites now. Over-under is set at 52-and-a-half. They're expecting a lot of scoring in this game. Uh, clear, It's clear why they're expecting a lot of scoring in this game. Um, I expect a humongous game from uh, Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be the death of me. Um, I, I still think the Chiefs probably pull this one out, but I think it'll be competitive. It's funny because a couple days ago I was saying the Chiefs either blow them out or the Vikings somehow win this game. Those are the two options that happen here. Uh, the closer we get, the more I think it'll actually just be a competitive Chiefs victory. Like, obviously, I hope they win, but uh, yeah, I, I see I see a fun game incoming here. At least that's the hope. There's the potential for a huge shootout with this one. Let's go. Yeah, Chiefs are Chiefs are known for uh, dropping games in October to inferior opponents. So. Mm-hmm. Almost did it to the Jets, and uh, we'll see if it happens here. 
Uh, yeah, so a couple teams on by, actually four teams on by. We have Cleveland, uh, we have the Chargers, we have the Seahawks, and we have the Buccaneers. I was going to make a trade for Kenneth Walker this week, but I, I, I am delaying the trade by a week to uh, accommodate by weeks. So, yeah, I did know the Seahawks were on by this week, and we have our first uh, slate of bye weeks this week. Do we have anyone on by in week four? No, this no. is the first okay. week. Usually they start, or they, like, historically used to start in, like, week three. So I thought maybe I'd missed something, but... Uh, yeah, so those are the bye weeks. Other major games, we have the Jags and the Bills in London. Bills are five and a half point favorites. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Jags are not totally back to form right now. Bills are looking really, really good right now. I hope it's a fun game, but I can see the Bills running away with that one pretty easily. Uh, Eagles at Rams. That's kind of an interesting one. Rams are a, a, a bit of a weird team right now. Uh, Eagles look, are four and a half point favorites. They're undefeated still. They're looking really good. They're not looking... Totally like the World Beers they were last year. They've had competitive games this season, but they're still looking head and shoulders above most of the NFC, I think. Yeah, I mean... I think the Eagles win this one. Yeah, I think the Eagles win this one as well. Uh, for a uh, NFC perspective, uh, an NFC, like, uh, Eagles... Uh, Eagles 49ers are towards the top of the standings. It would it would be a big help if the Rams came out and uh, pulled a stunner on the Eagles and, and won this game. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but, you know... A man can dream. Couldn't imagine putting this this game on the uh, on the preview a year ago. Texans at Falcons. Texans have looked surprisingly good this year. CJ Stroud's looking fantastic. They have a ton of really good weapons on the offense. Nigel Collins, especially, uh, who I have had starting in the wrong weeks and on the bench in the wrong weeks on my fantasy team so far this year. Uh, he's been really good. Uh, their offense is looking stellar right now. Uh, and the Falcons are looking like the Falcons, but this has the potential to maybe be a fun game, which I couldn't imagine myself saying last year. Yeah, I will say Stroud and Richardson have looked uh, a lot better than Bryce Young so far. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Bryce Young does not have a ton of weapons and doesn't have a great O-line, so it's not all his fault. But um, Stroud specifically has looked very impressive. You know, he's thrown for over 300 yards, like averaging over 300 yards a game, hasn't thrown a pick. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to Stroud's credit, yeah. he's had offensive line troubles yeah. too, oh, yeah. and he's not exactly throwing to like world beaters. Like his wide receivers before this season were like, no, right. I mean, Nico Collins, I personally expected to be good eventually in the NFL, and this is kind of his third year breakout. Um, he was fantastic at Michigan and just looked like an NFL player. Um, so I, I'm glad to see him doing what I kind of thought he would do. But, you know, Tank Dell, who would have thought anything of him? Um, like, yeah, they. it's not like they have studs. You're right. Um, but yeah, very impressive. Uh, last game we have mentioned in the preview here. Uh, a nasty, as the notes mention, AFC North matchup, Ravens at Steelers. I mean, this isn't like the Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco era, or even before that when it was just all defense. The Ravens are more of an offensive team now than they used to be. But yeah, I can see this game being ugly, like like the note says, uh, whoever put that note there. These games always do feel kind of ugly. Uh, Ravens should win this one, regardless of who the Steelers have at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they should, but... Steelers Ravens I've seen oh yeah stranger things happen yeah like I I'm I'm, I'm still over here w- like looking back wistfully at the the days when these games ended like 13 to 7 oh yeah those were the days those were the days the good old days allegedly uh yeah so moving on to the primetime pick em. Thursday night we have the Chicago Bears at the Washington Commanders Commanders are favored by a full seven points a shockingly high over under here to me 44 and a half they're favored by six points now Oh, fair by six points now. There you go. Uh, we had the same matchup on Thursday Night Football last year. This sounds more fun than the Carson Wentz team that the Commanders had last year playing the Bears. Uh, this still sounds abysmal. This will be the first game that I'm not actually like watching closely. The first primetime game. Yeah. I'll I mean, have to pick, don't I? Uh, we yes, got to pick them still. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, look, can the Bears win a game this season? I don't think yes. so. Uh, they can. They will. They'll win a game or a few. And this could be one of them. It actually really could. Wait, you don't want yeah. them you don't want them joining the 08 Lions Club? I mean, I would love it. No, because well, of what it means. At the same time, look, I would love it and hate it because of the player yeah. that they would get because of it. But um, Remember what the Lions got when oh, they went to win 16, bro? Yeah. I do. Um Yeah. But I mean, I'll I'll be the first to pick this game um as a Bears hater. Um, but honestly, I think the Bears very well could win this game. It actually could be a high-scoring game if the Bears did put anything together last game. Yeah. But the Commanders have actually looked pretty good on offense. Sam Howell has impressed me. He's not, like, by, by no means is he, like, fantastic, but he looks way better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, he can run the offense well. He has a very, very good arm. Um, so I think the Commanders are a better team at this point, and they win the game. I'll pick them. But I kind of think this could be a, like, low-key exciting game i like the closer we've got i know i like you know did the joke a couple minutes ago the closer we've gotten to this if we get that bears team that we saw on sunday this could be a really fun game uh like you mentioned the commanders have looked fun on offense uh, it's almost like eric b i mean knows what he's doing as an offensive mind who knew um but yeah i i think i'll take the commanders here along with you and uh, i do hope this is an exciting game i will have it on out of the corner of my eye while i'm doing other stuff but uh yeah i'll take the commanders here uh, give me Bienemy. Give me uh, Eberflus not getting on the plane home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really want to take the Bears. Like, I really, really want to take the Bears. But after the collapse uh, last game against the Broncos, like, it, it's tough to imagine this team, like, fighting for their coach, mm-hmm. especially when um, Justin Fields has said the things that he said about the coaching staff. So as much as I wanna, I wanna call my shot here. I think I have to to take the chalk and go with the Commanders. Yeah, I feel like until the Bears prove otherwise, you kind of have to go with the more competently run team, and uh, that is most definitely Washington right now. They did cut so, locker room cancer, uh, Chase Claypool. So uh, you know they haven't maybe, yet, though, have they? Uh, I know they're going to, but they, they haven't yet. They, I don't think. they have not released him. He's just away from the team and not allowed to go to the facility. So okay. yeah, and the stories were they wanted to trade him. Now it's like no one wants him, so they're probably going to cut him. No one wants to give up a pick for him, even a late round pick. So yeah, the the Claypool saga in Chicago seems like it's coming to an end. Uh, a, a bitter end there. They 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 used a second round pick on that man. They really did, and he did nothing. No, I'm pretty Jesus certain that Christ. second round pick ended up being pick thirty three, right? Like yeah, they not only they used the first pick in the second round on him. Uh yeah. So moving on to Sunday night football. We haven't had many of these this year. An honest-to-God good game with two good teams in prime time. We haven't had a ton of these. Uh, it's the Cowboys at the 49ers. Niners are four-point favorites right now, over under a 45. I say two good teams. I'm a Cowboys hater until I die. Uh, they're still a good team. I can call them a good team. I can't call them anything more than that. Uh, but they're facing a great team who is at home in the Niners, and I'm taking the Niners here. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say many more words than bang, bang on this one. I... I need more uh, gifts of. I need. I need my timeline to be filled with more gifts of To on the star. That's what I want. So uh, I think the Niners take this one, and like not only because of Homer reasons, for like actual tactical football reasons. Like Dak Prescott can get uh, tripped into making poor decisions, and our secondary can clean up the ball. And uh, you know we've had a good time uh, playing run defense, as I mentioned up up top. So. Uh, I think that we can slow down Tony Pollard and 
and their receivers are good, but uh, I think our pass rush will make a make a pretty good effort in this game. So, uh, yeah, give me San Francisco, uh, and screw the Cowboys. Thought you had nothing more to say than bang bang, but okay. Well, I need um, to give some tactical football reasons. It can't just be a homer. I get you. I get you. Okay, uh, Bobby. Uh, we're on the Niners Cowboys. I'm definitely going Niners. Oh, this is gonna be a really good game. I once again, I. You're always more I'm bullish on it. the Cowboys than we are. Always. I'm calling it. I'm, going? I'm, I'm, uh, the Cowboys yeah. are gonna win this game. Okay. Cowboys are this, gonna this win. Is this is. Gonna, I think it's gonna be a good game, but I just I can't pick the Cowboys. I don't like them. The first yeah. the first loss of uh, Brock Purdy's career in the regular season comes at the fate of. Mike McCarthy. We'll see it happen, according to Arcadia. I was going to ask, what dumb thing is Mike McCarthy going to do for the last play of this game? The uh, last two matchups these two teams have had have uh, ended historically stupidly. Snap yeah. it with Pollard. Uh, Snap it with Pollard. Funny. Yeah, I'm 13-1. I'm and one. I can afford to go the other way on a very close game. Okay. All right, there we go. So we all take the Niners except for Arcadio. Last but not least, Arcadio's team is uh, in prime time. Again. Uh, we have the Raiders hosting the Packers in Lambeau West question mark at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, Packers are what, just one point favorites here, over under forty four and a half. Assume Jimmy's going to be back, and uh, yeah, I mean, I can see this one being competitive. Neither team has uh, like blown the roof off the place this year. Uh, I still think the Packers are the more competent team, and that's what I'm going to go with here. Nick, going go Pack go. I don't know, man. It's hard to it's hard to go into a game and be like, yes. Josh McDaniels can win a football game. Uh, infamously, he is his record after the cheating scandal has been atrocious. It's a football game. It's going to get played. Uh, you know, I'll take I'll take the Packers. Uh, very begrudgingly. Yeah, I, I have no faith in the Raiders right now. I'm taking the Packers. Damn. Yeah, I honestly, um, I really wanted to pick the Raiders here, but I just don't think I can do it. I'd like the Lions to get even big, a bigger lead in the in the division and and have the Packers lose this, but no, I, I think the Packers pull it out. Devontae Adams revenge game, maybe. Ooh, right. Yeah, but who's but throwing him? I the think I think Devontae. Game? I it, no. What's going to happen is Devontae Adams is going to catch ten passes for 140 yards and two touchdowns, and the Raiders are going to lose 30 to 13. <laughs> there Oof. we go. Mud, Mud dogs are going to win 30 to 27. He called it. He called a shot right here. Uh yeah, so that'll do it. That's that's the prime time pick 'em. We uh previewed week five. We got some fun games hopefully this week, some unexpected fun games as well. So should be a fun week. Uh Bobby's gonna be in and out uh this Sunday. I will also be up to stuff this Sunday, but I will try and watch as much of the Sunday slate as I can. Should be another fun week. And uh yeah, that's all I got. What else we got, boys? Anything? Champions League's going on. Watch that. Uh and uh, apparently our rooting interests are in the uh Milan Dortmund house uh, and also uh we're we're nearing mls postseason we're nearing mls postseason so uh i don't want to talk about it get get ready for that uh i don't, I don't want to talk about it what you don't like your rivals being in first place it doesn't make you feel good i mean I, I don't like that my team is uh in 10th place when they need to be in ninth place uh i don't like that at all i don't like that we're behind in points right now yeah uh we, we did just just go get destroyed by st louis again so you know, not happy with that. Uh, Bobby, your thoughts? Uh, so many, so so many big thoughts on that. So many thoughts, and we yeah. just don't have enough yep. time to no, get into them right time. now, folks. You know, it's it's you know maybe next week it's I'll like, talk about it. Yeah, maybe next week. Yeah. It's like thoughts on death. Exactly. Uh, 
yeah, so I think that will do it for us, folks. So thank you for joining us for another episode. It was fun recapping week four. Had a lot of stuff to get into. This was a long one. I'm going to have so much fun editing this right after we finish recording here. Uh, so without any further ado, I will bid you all adieu, and we will see you next week for week five. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye.